Wicked Cool. Feature alert. Hey there, podcast fans. Thanks for listening. Now, you can also reach out and send me a text message. On every episode at the top of the show notes, you'll see a link that says, send us a text message. Simply click it, write something super nice and sweet, and away we go. Also remember to please subscribe, share this podcast with a friend by telling them about it, and leave us a positive review, whether it's on Apple, Spotify, your favorite podcast streaming service, or even on our website at www.afraidofnothingpodcast.com. Hello, listeners. I want to play a game. Many of you are probably social distancing. But what if the room you're in right now was an escape room? And if you didn't leave, you would die. Then you would have no choice but to get out. <laughs> In a world where nothing is known, nothing is certain, reality is not real. Wake up! Be afraid of nothing. I'm Bob Heskey. Robert. This is my podcast, based on my paranormal documentary, Afraid of Nothing. Each episode, we talk to people who see life and the afterlife through a different lens. Join me. Who is this large man? And what's he doing in our bedroom? As we lift the veil and open our minds to see beyond our eyes lie. This is Afraid of Nothing. Okay, we're here with Danny Radical, R-A-D-I-K-A-L, one of the most unique people. I had the pleasure of meeting Danny at a uh, mass paracom in the fall and couldn't wait to get him on my podcast. So, Danny, we had some technical issues, but thanks for your patience, and uh, here we are. Excellent. No problem. I was starting to think I was cursed here or something. I just, we just couldn't work this out. Yeah, I know. You're the guy with cursed objects. Curses aren't supposed to impact you. So if this does, I know my podcast has no chance. So let's hopefully we can uh, work through it. You are an amazingly interesting guy. I think you're, I I really find you so compelling because you have a website called dannyradical.com, www.dannyradical.com. And on it is like a whole bunch of stuff. So first you want to tell us about kind of when people go to your website, what do they find? What type of stuff can they find there? Uh, Basically the website acts as a hub for all the various different interests and things that I do and the adventures that I go on. Uh, you're going to see things on there like um, I have a traveling sideshow museum called Museum of Wonders. I collect haunted items, help people out with different problems in their in the supernatural, I guess you would call it, world. Got a couple shows. We've got Creepy Chronicles, which chronicles all things cryptid and creepy and weird, as well as another show we're working on called But Is It Haunted, which is basically a show where we bring people to a haunted, cursed place with a tragic memory. We give them the facts, we give them the legends and lore, we bring in a paranormal team, 
to have them investigate. Once that's done, we present all the info and we let the audience decide whether or not it's haunted rather than us tell them. Also on the website, you're going to see that I make custom Ouija boards, ship them throughout the world. Anything you want, I can do it. I also do photography. I'm going to throw a plug in there because on the Mass Paracom, I bought a uh, serial killer Ouija board from you. So you have, you have two types of boards. You have boards that you create on. Everyone's unique. It's on, you know, you create the design and then it's on every piece of board is unique, obviously. And then you have another thing called blood boards. Can you explain the blood boards a little bit? Yes, I can. The blood boards tend to be uh, kind of popular, but they really hurt to make. <laughs> <laughs> now, the boards, there's two different kinds of boards. There's a regular board where the graphics are adhered to the wood. And then there's another process where I use a chemical to transfer the image to the wood so there's nothing adhered to it. But in order to do this, I have to use my hands as sandpaper and repeatedly over and over again to get this to adhere and sand it down. If I use regular sandpaper, we're going to lose all the imagery. So we're looking at six to eight hours of rubbing this wood with my hands with some water. And uh, literally, my hands are bleeding by the time I'm done. That's why I have blood board. So you only charge like 10 bucks extra for those or something, which is pretty good. You literally put your, your, a piece of yourself in every uh, Ouija board you make. Uh, so that's uh, pretty cool. By the way, I, I should say, uh, for Afraid of Nothing, I, I know you're a busy guy, but now that we're all being quarantined, I'm looking forward to my Afraid of Nothing table, which I want to order from you when I move to my new house. So I just a uh, huge fan of your work. You buy a lot of stuff in bulk and you find kind of a lot of weird and unique stuff. Is there much toilet paper now in your inventory? Probably not, right? You can't find that to stock up on? Uh, That depends. If you go to every single stall in every public bathroom, you're going to find tons of toilet paper there. So, you know, where are your resources? (laughs) Yeah, I I put a a complaining post on Facebook last night about, you know, I can't wait till they start rationing. And then I looked online on Facebook today and like places are starting to ration already, which I actually, I think you put the post up, which I think is actually a pretty good thing. So yes, I did. I think it's actually a really great thing because some people are being left out. Some elderly people, they only get out once a week. Oh yeah. I have like uh, sleep apnea. So um, distilled water for a machine. Couldn't find distilled water anyway. I went to five places last night. Couldn't find any. So I fortunately got some this morning, you know, so it's just kind of insane. I mean, and even like organic food for my, my two daughters are organic. I have them this weekend. I make food and Nothing, no, no, no meat, nothing organic. Even the potatoes were all swiped up. So that was crazy. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, what I wanted to start with is uh, you, your typical week is not the typical week for someone. So do you mind? Because I think by telling us about your typical week is telling about who you are and kind of all the cool stuff that you do. So do you mind walking us through your typical week? Oh, yeah, no problem at all. Uh, basically, my week starts on a Sunday. On Sundays, I tend to sleep a couple hours. When I say a couple, I mean three to four hours. I get up, I go to work, I work third shift in uh, healthcare, caring for um, uh, adults that are severely mentally challenged. I've been doing it now for 16 years. I do that from like 8 p.m. to like 9, 10 a.m. the next day, go home, have a nice big old dinner, relax, making some Ouija boards, collecting haunted items, repeat, and I do this for three days, and then the rest of the week, I'm out picking, I'm out doing photography, I'm out making Ouija boards, designing stuff. It's just paranormal investigations. It's it's a lot of fun. I'm very thankful that I don't sleep much. Yeah, and you only sleep three to four hours a night, every night, right? Yeah, unfortunately. I mean, I but when I'm camping, if I go camping, um, eight hours easily. Really? Wow. Maybe you need to be out in the wilderness. You also drive, you have two very unique vehicles, 
And how you name them is kind of interesting, too. You want to tell our listeners what type of vehicles you drive and why, how you came across the name for each of them? We've got uh, two Cadillac Hearses in the garage. Yeah, we named them based on the first rider in the back. So the first funeral, we named them after who they were held for. The uh, 1968 Cadillac, her name's Dolores. And the 2004 that we just picked up, his name is Vincent. That's great. (laughs) And you, go ahead. There's also a story of why I've always wanted a hearse. I grew up with my grandparents, and every weekend, my grandfather and I, we would go out. He was a, a, a picker, and we'd go out to yard sales and things like that, and we'd come across hearses every once in a while, and if, whenever he saw a hearse, he would say, hey, it's going to be a great day. Keep in mind, I'm six years old, and I'm thinking, <laughs> I'm thinking to myself, that's kind of weird. So one day, I finally, you know, I was gutsy enough, and I was like, hey, Pepe, why is it going to be a good day? That's death. He's like, well, it's going to be a good day because you're not in the back of it. So <laughs> being six years old, in my mind, I'm thinking, okay, well, if I own a hearse, then every day is a good day. Now, to add to the story, about 10 years ago, I see the funeral home in the local area going out of business, checked out the hearse, come to find out it was the actual hearse they used for my grandfather's funeral back in 1978. Oh, my God. Wow. Now, you, I've seen like shows where you know, haunted ambulance or things like that where there's death. Have you ever picked up anything or any experiences with your two hearses? Personally, myself, nothing, but I'm I'm kind of skeptic on the whole supernatural thing. I want to believe, and I believe those that say things have happened, but I've never experienced anything. The only thing we've experienced in the 2004 hearse, Vincent, was uh, every once in a while the uncomfortable smell of formaldehyde. Uh, oh, oh. It's interesting you say that you don't believe, because when I met you, you're a very laid back guy. And actually, you're perfect. your demeanor is perfect for what you do. A lot of times people bring you cursed objects, correct? Correct. And how do they find you or do people just point them to you? Or how did this happen when you started collecting cursed objects? Uh, well, I started doing the sideshow thing. You know, we're talking freaks and geeks and all that kind of thing. We're talking two-headed animals and oddities and things. And on the side, I was doing the paranormal. And one day they just kind of just merged it just just happened and uh so i started putting out ads on a monthly and weekly basis all over the country stating that if you're having problems give me a call if you're a paranormal investigator and you come across something give me a call if you're an exorcist demonologist let me try to help and that's basically what's been happening ever since i get calls all the time i never know who it's going to be i get anonymous emails asking to meet at weird times of the night to pick up these objects. What are they usually? Are they the uh, Dybbuk boxes? Are they mirrors? What are the, some of the stuff that you have get asked to pick up? There's a huge gamut. There's, um, I've got pieces that were in crime scenes. There are pieces that are you know, children's toys where the child choked to death on the chair. All aspects. I actually have a piece of the front end of the car that inspired Stephen King's Christine. Now, was that supposed to be cursed, or, or how did you get that? Basically, there's this car. It's called uh, Golden Eagle. It was a police vehicle. You can actually Google it, Golden Eagle. You'll find all the info on it. Old Orchard Beach, Maine. Surprisingly, Stephen King, Maine. The car has a tragic history with death and death following it and it causing death. The police took it out of commission, sold it. The next family that got it, strange things started happening. Doors would open. People would fall out. Mm. The body toll just kept escalating. You know, they just parked it and uh, kids would dare each other. Hey, go touch it. Go touch the car. I dare you to touch the killer car. And one kid went up and touched it. And a couple of days later, and we're talking children now. A couple of days later, 
He grabbed a shotgun, killed his family and the dog. Yeah. Oh, God. And so you have the front fender or whatever for that uh, car? What happened or, is some uh, Christian fundamentalists came in in the middle of the night and they stole the vehicle. Oh. And uh, they believed it was possessed by a demon. And they hacked it up into pieces and distributed all over uh, Maine junkyards. I got an anonymous call from someone that said, hey, this is what I got. Do you know what it is? I said, yeah. He's like, okay. Meet me at 2 a.m. alone and uh, at the last rest area in New Hampshire on Route 95, right before the main border. I mean, I was safe. I had a bag of Doritos and a machete on the side of me. So, <laughs> Wow. And so you just, how do you hand off that? Did he have like a hoodie on? Did he like not want to, you know, give you his name? Was he dressed incognito? No names were exchanged. No nothing. Basically what happened is I was sitting in the rest area and uh, I'm facing the building. And I'm thinking to myself, wow, I'm not sure if this is a good thing to do. But all of a sudden, I look up in the rearview mirror, and there's a flatbed uh, wrecker behind me. So now I can't leave. And I look, and they usually have the identifier on the door of, like, the name of the company, the towing company. Or whatever yeah. it is. And it was, it was covered with cardboard and duct tape, so I couldn't read it. Oh, God. Next thing I know, there's this uh, older gentleman jumps out of the truck, and uh, he had told me about his tragedy. He thought it was a joke. Uh, he's now had cancer, losing the family business that they've had for a few generations, and he believes it really is cursed. He asked me, he's like, we had talked earlier about you bringing a crucifix. Did you bring it? I said, yep. He's like, you have a box? I said, yep. Next thing I know, uh, he pulls it off the back of the truck. I'm standing there with the crucifix, the box, and a piece of the front end of the car, and thinking, what the hell just happened here? Do you get paid for this, or do they just give it to you? Oh, no, no. I, I never charge anything. No, it's, to me, it's basically... Uh, providing peace of mind to people who don't have it. Now, when I met you at the show at Mass Paracon, was there a brick or something that you showed me that was one of your prized items there that you said, um, is there a story behind that? I'm trying to remember that. Yeah, that was that was one of the great markers uh, from the Danvers Asylum. Was that from like Session 9, the movie? Is that what that was from? Or uh, is that a different place I'm thinking about? That movie was filmed there. Yes, definitely. And um I can't really say the title of the name because of uh, what we agreed on. But, yeah, there was a movie that was filmed there, and the producers of the movie uh, asked for a memento. Oh, okay. And uh, they got a brick. Uh, well, I shouldn't say a brick. They got a piece of the marker. Yeah. Headed back to Canada, and uh, years later, it came out of storage, and strange things started happening. And um, they brought in a psychic. The psychic had no idea what was going on. She went right to the office where it was being used as a paperweight. And said, I don't know what this is, but it's damn angry. This is your problem right here. And she said, uh, I met this guy in Salem, Massachusetts. Uh, you need to give him a call. And lo and behold, that was me. <laughs> now, okay, so you're this underground guy that people know. It's crazy. When I was at uh, the Mass Paracon, next to me was a female psychic and her husband. And I had gone over to buy some stuff. You came over and bought some stuff from me. And she came back. She said, yeah, he, he really vibrates at a higher level. He's protected. And, uh, and, and that's there. I mean, that's what she picked up. Cause I, it, cause things seem to roll off of you. Like it, it wouldn't affect other people. Um, has anybody ever, has anybody told you that? Actually? Yes. I, I met up with a, uh, woman who was a shaman and, uh, she told me, she said, listen, I'm going to tell you right now, you have a lot of first nation blood in you and they're helping you. She says, let me guess. Uh, she's like, you're a protector for some reason. I don't know why. I don't know how, but you're a protector. Let me guess. You probably work in healthcare. And I was like, 
you know. Oh my god. I was taken back by that. I was like, yes, I do, you know. And um and, and Danny, 16 years. Most people probably don't last that long, right? And in healthcare, do they last a lot shorter? It's a picture of healthcare, I guess, in human services, I guess, right? Or yeah, I think average is uh two months to at the max, two years usually. I've seen a lot of people, you know. Uh, yeah, so yeah. it's crazy. And why do you do it? Is it just the hours or just because you feel that there's a need that's unmet and if no one, if you don't do it, no one will do it? Or is, is that why? Or Well, as, a, as far as third shift, third shift is the hardest position to fill. And uh, to me, I think it's the most vulnerable that the house is in because, I mean, you've got money, you've got controlled medications all in the house as well as these people who are completely vulnerable and you're the only staff on. Are you the only guy or how, how many patients and in, in where you're at? I am the only person in the home of six adults. We're going to talk when we come back. We're going to take a break for a commercial a couple of minutes. We're going to talk about uh, some of your experiences. And I think last night might have been an interesting one where hopefully it might have changed your mind when you experienced something. We'll talk about that a little bit later, but just want to go forward a little bit more on. So in terms of, uh, have you ever, you said you've, you're a skeptic and you, so you get all this stuff, you're, you have a museum, you have a huge interest in the paranormal, but you, you feel like you have tunnel vision with it or what's your, what's your thought? Or do you just, you just haven't experienced what other people have experienced personally? I am not sure. I want to experience it so bad. That's part of the reason why I collect this stuff. I'm hoping something will happen, but um, I haven't yet. I'm open to it. Something strange did happen a couple months ago that like really blew my mind. We'll go into that. Yeah. I'm hoping. I want it to happen. Ah! Afraid of starting your own podcast? Buzzsprout makes it easy. In fact, it's so good, they've already helped over 100,000 people launch their own podcast, including me. Buzzsprout has helped me get onto many great platforms, including Apple Podcasts, iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, and more. You also get a great-looking podcast website, audio players that you can drop onto other websites, detailed analytics to see how you're doing. They're addicting, trust me. Also, tools to promote your episodes, like soundbites, to give your listeners a tease of what each episode is about. Buzzsprout is not only a user-friendly platform, they continually provide useful videos, articles, and tutorials to help you hone your podcast game. To start your own podcast and get a $20 Amazon gift card, follow the link in the show notes. This lets Buzzsprout know that we sent you and helps support the Afraid of Nothing podcast. Buzzsprout, the best place to launch your podcast. Don't be afraid to start today. And we're back with Danny Radical. So, Danny, before the break, we talked about you talked about there was one kind of uh, event that really kind of shook your ground a little bit and could have been your first foray into having a paranormal experience. Do you mind kind of setting that up for our audience? Yeah, no problem. It was quite amazing. It was about three months ago, and I've always been in touch with my ex father in law, Rudy, and we we hadn't talked in a little while. Well, one night I was having a dream. Well. He was in my dream and he was laying in a hospital bed and he looked at me and said, Hey, Dan, it's my heart. And I'm like, Oh, okay. Interesting. And he's like, you know, my son, Phil, he's over there in the corner. You know, he, he really needs some help. He's going to need someone to talk to. He's taking this really hard. And we started talking a little more about, you know, times when he was working on my old car and things like that. And 
next thing I know, I wake up and I was kind of taken back by the fact that, you know, he was in my dream and it was like, wow, all right, that was just really strange. Until a couple hours later when I realized he actually had passed away, I literally didn't know how to take it. I ended up on the floor uh, in a ball crying because that stuff's not supposed to happen. <laughs> so I ended up, um, I ended up calling his sister-in-law and uh, yeah, pretty much everything that had happened in that dream, you know, his heart gave out that day. And uh, yeah, so like I say, it's crazy. So from your perspective, do you usually have such lucid, vivid dreams like that? Or is that kind of a first in itself? Uh, no, I have I have those kinds of weird dreams all the time, but I usually don't have any validation to them. And are they usually kind of more symbolic or, or, or are they with family members? Was this one of the rare ones where it was actually with someone you knew and loved a family member? Uh, yeah, like, yeah, I've had like dreams before when um, I called a friend and said, hey, I had a dream that your girlfriend got pregnant and he's like, yeah, we just found out yesterday. <laughs> wow. That's crazy. Oh my God. Yeah. Don't call me with one of those. Okay. That'd be great. Uh, all right, cool. So, uh, and you said you found out you know, when you woke up, can you just walk us through the set of circumstances when you woke up and then you must've thought, God, that was the weirdest dream. And how did you, did you say, I just got to check on this and did you call somebody or how did you find out that it did actually happen? I just happened to, I woke up, happened to go on Facebook and I'm, you know, perusing around and all of a sudden I see, uh, you know, family members talking about uh, how big Rudy passed away and it just completely right there, just, just knocked me over that cliff and I was like, you gotta be kidding me. It was a dream, but now it was a reality. You know, I mean, he was there just a couple minutes ago he was there in my dream and everything was fine and then boom it's it's actually the dream became reality so i reached out to his uh sister-in-law and i was like um you know hey this is what just happened um what do you make of it and she's just like yeah well you know he did die his heart gave out as soon as he pulled into a driveway to meet his friend put in the park and that was it. So the heart part matched up with the heart part in my dream. And uh, I really didn't know what to make of it. And the only way I could deal with it was I literally broke down on the floor crying. I mean, it made no sense. Did you know what time he died? Was it similar to when you woke up from your dream? Cause you, you sleep at kind of odd hours sometimes. Just, do you know what the time of death was? Uh, I believe there was a generalizing, I'd say, about eight hours difference. All right, so it wasn't at the time of, but, uh, th you know, that sounds to me like a definite paranormal experience, whether you want to say it or not. <laughs> that sounds pretty... Uh... Definitely unexplainable. I, I cannot... I mean, I, my hair is sticking up on my arms right now, just thinking about it. That's, and that's really powerful, because that's like a, a, a loved one, you know. Uh, and you were very close to this guy? We were very close, yeah. So last night, you want to tell us about an event you were at last night at a pretty famous place? Ah, uh, yeah. Last night, we helped host a ghost hunt with author Sam Baltrusis at the Lizzie Borden house. I've been there on the documentary, Afraid of Nothing. I brought a shaman in, and he thought it was just going to be uh, just a tourist trap. He walked in kind of skeptical, and boom, he was hit right away. He had experiences in the room where Mr. Borden was killed. He had experiences with the uh, uh, Knowlton Hosea room, you know, the with the uh, toy box with the kids. In the basement, he felt something very strong. So I just Kind of curious what uh, you guys did some pretty interesting thing. Want to talk about kind of 
the process you did, and then you actually, I think, got involved in something, right? Yeah. My girl, Lauren, she's the head of NASCAR and Paranormal, and uh, Stan Beltrusis and I decided is, uh, we had a large group with us, so we are trying to involve everyone. So we decided to use the uh, Estes method, which is basically using a ghost box, an SP7, and with noise-canceling headphones, as well as a blindfold. So the person that is using the ghost box is the only person that can hear it, and they're blindfold, and then the people around them ask various questions. So the person with the headphones on cannot hear the people asking questions. All they're doing is repeating whatever they hear on the ghost box. So these questions and answers should not match up because, for one, you can't hear the other people asking the questions. You can't see their lips moving, so you don't have a cue mark on to when to answer a question. And um, we tried this for the first time as an experiment, and it went phenomenal. I, I mean, it was just amazing. Who was the first one? I know Sam is uh, hes an author, he's a historian, but he's also very, I guess he's a medium, a psychic medium too. Was he the first one to have the noise-canceling headphones on, or did they just have someone from the group do it? Sam was the first one to go in for a couple of sessions. Uh, then Lauren jumped in after that. Uh, we had a couple of people in the audience jump in, and I did the finalized one down in the basement. It was crazy. Yeah, the basement's got some weird stuff going on. I, you know, before we go off to that, uh, your uh, your girlfriend and partner in crime, Lauren, is she um, is she psychic at all, or is she kind of like you, where she's you know, a, a skeptic but willing to you know embrace something that happens? She's the yin to my yang. Uh, she's she's a believer. Okay. Okay. There you go. She totally understands where I'm coming from, and she actually looks towards my point, towards her point, you know, kind of using the both to, okay, well, I see this side and I see this side and, oh, well, wait a minute, that does make a little more sense. Maybe that is coincidence or maybe like, you know, hey, no, it's, it's supernatural. So does she, uh, so has she had experiences? Uh, yeah, she's had, a, she's had a few experiences. Um, she's seen things. She's uh, experienced things that she couldn't explain. Your museum of cursed objects, is, is she an empath or sensitive about things that are brought in, or do you think that you kind of protect her or something so it doesn't affect her at all? That's the possibility. I have no idea. She calls this her sanctuary. Really? Oh, she's fairly. Uh, she's having a bad day. She's having a rough time at work or bad things just happening in life. She says when she gets home, everything just goes away. That's great. Did she have, so when she stepped in with the noise-canceling headphones with the, you know, and the blinders on, when you were watching her, did she pick up stuff? Yeah, well, basically, it's just the interaction between the crowd asking the questions and the timing of the person spouting off what they're hearing. I would say probably 90% of the time matched up and linked and actually made sense. For me, it was like, okay, how many coincidences does it take before they're not coincidences anymore? Yeah, and was this not just in one room it was in? What rooms did you choose in that house that you did this in? Oh, geez. There was like five or six different rooms, I think. The basement was the worst. We added a little extra to the basement. I'm a guy of science. A lot of paranormal investigators have noticed in, that whenever they're doing investigations and they're making contact and things like that, that batteries start to go dead. And, you know, they drain and whatnot or whatever. So... I'm thinking, okay, well, how can we generate power without using the power that we have? So I brought into the investigations a Tesla coil, a battery-operated Tesla coil. This, this thing will actually light a light bulb without touching. It'll just <laughs> energy through the air. And you don't want to touch it because it would electrocute you. I got burnt, and it really sucked. Yeah. 
How did you, did you make that or how did you find that? I've got a friend who's kind of an electronics genius. So he's like, yeah, I can make that. And yeah, he did. Wow. Very cool. So a lot of activity and you decided to get into the fray. Was this near the end? Were you one of the last guys to do it? Yeah, I was the last guy. It was about one o'clock in the morning and we, we did it till about two. Every single session that we went through had the same underlying theme that no one, at least I shouldn't say no one that I never thought of with the Lizzie Borden case. And repeatedly, repeatedly over and over again, it revolved around sexual abuse. Really? Oh. By, you know, was it by whom? Was it by Mr. Borden to the girls? Or did it, was that clear? Very clear. Mr. Borden to the girls. Okay. Lizzie and her sister? She had a sister, right? Had a sister. And this, according to the session, happened years after years to the point of where they were bringing in other people for money to do it. Wow. That is, wow. That is a different take. Jesus. You don't see that in the Lizzie Ford movie that was out. And the, um, what would you call it? The uh, resentment, her resentment to her stepmom was for turning a blind eye to it. As, you know, back in those days, women didn't really speak up. And if something was happening, that's what you did. You turned a blind eye. Wow. So they were picking up, you believe, it was was it just Lizzie? Was it Lizzie and her sister? Because Mr. Borden came through a little bit when the shaman was there. Do you know what entities were appearing that night or seemed to be coming through? Uh, we tried not to pull Lizzie because uh, Sam had picked up that she didn't want to come to that house that night. She didn't want to come to Second Street. She wanted to stay in Maplecroft. Right. But she ended up coming there as well as uh, Abby and... Um, Whenever the mention of he's coming or uh, Andrew or whatever, um, things got bad. So was that the name of Mr. Borden? So just to clarify, there is a second house. Was that a house that she lived in later on in her life after she was cleared of the, of the uh, crime? Or is that the one you're talking about? Yes. After she uh, was cleared of the crime, she eventually moved into Maple Crown. Okay. So she probably, it would make sense. She would be more at the other one if she had a very bad experience in this house, you know? Especially with all the um, the stuff that came with it, the residual stuff, you know, the name that she had for herself, that, you know, uh, get rid of that part of your life and move on. Yeah, yeah. So did she seem, all right, and I know I want to get back to what you're talking about. I'm, I'm asking you to interpret stuff. Sorry, so it might even be fair or appropriate. I was going to say, did she seem like, some spirits seem like they're caught and they're trapped because something bad happened and it keeps repeating in a cycle. Did she seem to be moved on, but she, she stayed as she hasn't gone to the life, she stayed as a ghost or, you know, what was her situation? Why hadn't she moved forward? Any, did Sam or anyone comment about that? Uh, no one really commented on why or how she hadn't moved on. Basically, everything we were experiencing was firsthand through her eyes at the time of the stuff that was going on. And this was at like, there was one point where, she was around five years old, the other part where she was older, and it just, it kept progressing through the night. And we didn't want to stay on that route, but it just kept going back to that route. And so how many people roughly in the group, just curious, was it like 10, 20? I would say about yeah, between 15 and 20. And a lot of the people, some of the people had, you know, a sense of unease or picked up on stuff, or was it just a few people or? Uh, well, uh, at the very last session that we did i like i said i can't hear anything that's going on outside of the ghost box i got a tap on the shoulder to stop and i pull it off and i i pull the blindfold off and uh there's people in the group that are crying 
there's people that are have dropped to the floor and everyone's yelling and screaming and i'm just like what the hell's going on did you even know because you said it was like an hour did you know how much time had gone by or any sense of that was it like almost like you're in a water tank floating or something you know you were just like you kind of got oblivious after a while. No, uh, nothing like that at all, unfortunately, because I'd love to try that. But it was just <laughs> kind of like, I, I was hoping to feel like something supernatural or magical or whatnot. I just felt like the middleman just listening to voices. And, and it's like, not really voices, just sounds of things. And, you know, I mean, it's going through radio stations. I mean, and, and whatever I hear, I did emphasize. I was like, okay, guys, I'm hearing Journey, don't stop believing right now. And everyone, you know, <laughs> dancing <Yeah. laughs> am i correct that you had it on for an hour that's a long time was it an hour that you had the noise cancellation headphones on it was uh i would say 45 minutes to an hour that's a long time don't you think i mean that's a lot to put some, that's wow i mean that's a long it, it time flew. it really did it flew and did you get, as you heard stuff and you reported it back did you, was it just like you said was it almost like you're a radio station transmitting stuff frequencies or did you have any emotional feeling tied to what you were hearing i had absolutely zero emotional ties to anything i was just i was the middleman i was just repeating what i was hearing i still have yet to go back and listen to the tapes uh, and watch the tape because we oh you got it recorded it uh audio we recorded video and we recorded fleer as well sam baltrusis like he's very much an empath and your your girlfriend lauren is too were they when you took your you took your uh blinders off and looked at them what was their reaction when they were looking at you what was your first thing when you looked at those two people actually sam had already left for the evening he had to go to work just basically lauren and i with the rest of the group what i saw was some people in the group that were crying lauren was crying on the floor hysterically oh god that's gonna be hard yeah 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 she just she couldn't stand up people were helping her up and i'm I'm trying to figure out what is going on, you know, in the meantime, and I, I rushed to her and uh, we get her on the chair and people were reviewing the clear that was going at the same time earlier before this had happened. And they're like, look, there's, there's a, the heat signatures dropped from 75 to 56 instantly. And there's a shadow there right in between you and Lauren. And right in between us was the Tesla coil. Oh, wow. Yeah. I, we're going to review it uh, later today and um, see exactly what we have. Um, you know, like I said, I'm a skeptic. That was strange. Let's, you know, stop there. And do you mind if I put you through the pain of another call just as, after you've had a chance to review it and kind of share some thoughts? Is that all right? Or Oh, that'd be great. Yeah. So let's just put a stop there. Yeah. We'll, we'll stop here and then we'll go back for like a part three of this and what your find out was. So that'd be great if you don't mind. No, that's perfect. Cool. Okay, so I'm here actually now. It's been a couple of days. I'm here with Danny and with Lauren. So, Danny, do you mind do me a favor and introduce Lauren for the audience before we go into your kind of personal experiences at Lizzie Borden? Well, this is Lauren. She's my girlfriend. She's the lead of Mascon Paranormal. Where I'm a skeptic, she's a believer. So it's the whole yin-yang thing. Welcome, Lauren. Thank you for uh, taking some time to be with us tonight. Thank you for having me. Give us a little background on on your paranormal group that you that you run and some of the things that you do before we go into what happened at Lizzie Borden. Sure. Our name is Mascon Paranormal. Uh, it was started in 2015 by myself and my daughter. We have been into the paranormal for probably about 12, 15 years now. 
and we felt it was time for us to put together a team of like-minded people, and we had it. Uh, 98% of our team is Wiccan, so we use a lot of their techniques and their rituals and, and stuff in our investigation. How big is your group? Uh, we actually have six. Now, you guys also do rituals, too. Are there a couple of members on your team that, like, once you go and explore and you validate something, you perform ceremonies? Or do you have? Is that accurate? The thing that we do the most is the banishment ritual. And it is basically to silence or rid the home of the entity that is causing harm or being malicious. And where do your most cases come from? How do people find you? And I assume it's not like places we've heard of. It's more like private residences or things like that. 98% of our investigations are of private homes and families. They come from word of mouth. We've done work for coworkers, family members, and just friends. I met you guys at uh, Mass Paracon in the fall, and Danny and I were buying stuff from each other. And, uh, one, you know, one of the, I told Danny in the early part of the interview, there was a psychic next to me at the table and she went to see Danny and she said, God, he is just, uh, he vibrates at a higher level. He's protected. You ever have that sense from Danny too, where things just roll off of him, where other people, it might freak them out? Completely. <laughs> I actually feel very protected when I'm with him, even in the, in the house. And I feel very comforting. and It's nice. Yeah, he mentioned like, you know, your work can be crazy and, uh, you know, make it tell us what your day job is. But when you get to home and Danny has like a, with you guys have like a museum of cursed objects, among other things that you have, that you feel completely at peace. And uh, that almost seems counterintuitive. Do you want to kind of explain that? I don't really know how to explain it. It's just a warm feeling. I'm, I feel very protected by Danny, but also in this home. I have absolutely no problem sleeping in this house alone with the dog, but it's true. I pull into the driveway and step foot onto his drive onto the driveway and I'm at peace. I'm calm. That's great. Besides Lizzie Borden, uh are there have there been any other venues that you guys have been to that our listeners might be familiar with or have heard of? Yes, we actually just did a couple months ago, we did Kretschmann's Club Cinema in Webster, Massachusetts. I'm actually staying in a house in Webster, Massachusetts right now. <laughs> I'm between, yeah, I'm between, uh, got divorced and I'm between homes right now. I'm getting ready to buy a place, but I'm in Webster. So can you repeat again? Because I'd love to ask my brother-in-law and sister about it. What is the name of the place that you're talking about in Webster? Kretschmann's Pub Cinema. So what is the backstory behind that? There's a few backstories to it. It started off as a warehouse and... It had turned into the Bucket of Blood, which was a Marines club. It's been the Polish Falcons club. There's been, um, we're not really sure, but there has been a murder there. There's, they used to bury people in the basement. It's got a crazy back history, and it's very old. So when you got called in to investigate, what was the vibe and how much did you guys pick up and how much did they tell you you were accurate about? Go ahead, Jim. The, the vibe was pretty good. It was, uh, I thought it very comfortable. They had had a lot of things happen there during the Prohibition era, as well as uh, a vaudeville actor who was murdered around that area. He actually just contacted me about 10 minutes ago, stating that since this virus thing has gone, they had closed down. But the activity has really, really increased. 
no one is there in the building and he's got cameras all around and there's their motion detected and their sound detected. If you get invited back, I'd love to tag along, <laughs> bring a uh, microphone, see what I can pick up. Sure. Excellent. Now let's talk about Lizzie Borden. So you both were there. Was this the first time or had you, we'll start with you, Lauren, first. Had you been to Lizzie Borden before or was this your first time there? This was my first time there and I loved the home. Now, did you have for the, I did a film called Afraid of Nothing and we brought a shaman in. And he didn't have a lot of background, and he was kind of skeptical. He thought it was just kind of a tourist thing, but he was hit right away, and he had a bunch of experiences. He had an experience where in the room where Mr. Border was killed, obviously. He had an experience in the Hosea Knowlton room, the kids' room upstairs, and he had a really kind of strong experience in the basement. You guys were kind of doing stuff throughout the house. What was the, uh, from your perspective, what was your kind of most favorite, most paranormal part of the house? The basement. Did you start there or did you guys end up there at the end of the night? We finished there. Okay. And did you know any backstory about kind of down there and what lurks down there? Uh, no, I really didn't. There are stories that you hear, but there was like, they're just stories. I'm not really sure what was fact or what was fiction. And I think Danny mentioned earlier, you guys had what, like 10 or so people that were there for a night with you guys and Sam Baltrusis. Sam had left, I guess, by the time you were down in the basement or by the time Danny was kind of locked and loaded with the uh, with the uh, blinders and the headsets on. Lauren, you know Danny pretty well and you know he's a skeptic, but he things roll off of him, which kind of may terrorize other people. From your perspective, I know there's footage you guys took and everything, and it's, it's probably sometimes hard to pick up from footage. From your firsthand perspective, watching Danny, and could you just share what your observation was when he was saying what he was hearing. You know, people were, people in the room are asking questions. Danny doesn't hear it. He can't see people. He's just replying what the spirit box is saying. Can you kind of share kind of some of the crazy things that happened with him? Just as Danny does, Danny was very calm about it. Um, but it was kind of creepy as to some of the questions that were asked and some of the things that were being felt in the, in the basement in the room. And his responses, like um, one of them was, I'm coming. And that was right before something happened to me down there. So it was kind of creepy. When they were using my clear camera, they could see something coming towards my neck, the other pe people in the room. And that was a, probably around the same time that he actually said, I'm coming, I'm coming to you, I'm coming near you. Do you think that the entity down there kind of knew the relationship between you and Danny and that maybe he was there and they couldn't get to him so they were going after you? Or Honestly, I don't think it was going after Danny. I think Danny was more like channeling somehow because when I first walked into that house and went up onto the third floor, I could feel someone staring at me. So, and that's where all that sexual abuse and everything up on the third floor happened, Sam. So I think it was coming from me. Did any of the other, uh, I'm sure it's, you know, it's a mix of men and, and women there, but did any of the other females feel that same way? And were most of the men, did they feel anything either? Or was it mostly the women there? I think there were a few of them that were a little on edge. There was one woman that felt like she couldn't move. She couldn't stand up from the chair when she was up in the on the third floor, but I think it was more people were afraid. So Danny's sitting there 
And he's it's going on for 45 minutes or so, which is a long time, actually. And he said it just kind of flew and he just kind of channeled stuff. And it didn't there's really no emotional reaction to him when he was doing it. He, he said when he took off his blinders and, and Danny, you can maybe add in after Lauren replies, but that you were quite shaken. Can you kind of tell us kind of what was going on with you beyond being attacked? Was it just that that had just happened or was it a series of things that were going on down there? I'm not really sure. I believe it was just that one thing. But I literally couldn't stand on my own legs. My legs were shaking to the point where I dropped. So, um, and that was right at the end when his mask kind of came off and he saw you? That was toward the, toward the end of his session? I was telling the people that were in the room, somebody needs to tap Danny, get Danny out, get Danny out. And so the commotion all happened in the dark. And they tapped out Danny. Lights went on. And I'm going to the ground and Danny catches me. Okay. So this is another thing too. So it's, it's totally dark. You mentioned flare camera. I should have picked up on that. So it's in a total darkness. So maybe people didn't even know what was going on with you. Right. So you're in the dark, you're kind of like, you're, you know, so you're feeling this and you're feeling like you're going to drop to the ground, but people around you probably were totally unaware. Is, is that accurate? Um, I was pretty um, vocal that things were happening. My arm was shaking. I couldn't hold the camera still. So I asked people to take the camera. I asked one of the other ladies to come over and kind of stand with me. And a lot of people were telling me that on the flare camera, that there was something going towards my neck. There's somebody in between you and Danny. And one of the other ladies had a echo box of some sort, a ghost box, and it was saying my name. Wow, that's freaky. I've had that happen to me too. And actually I've had my full name said, which, you know, I had tunnel vision for the longest time and then things were coming too easily. And I, I stopped doing EVPs. So, so was this your, the ultimate experience for you of your career so far in terms of really being impacted and feeling like you had a connection with the paranormal in one place? Yeah, I would say so. I, I've, I've been in drumming circles with my team and have ended up in places I did not feel very comfortable but yeah, I'd have to say that was probably the scariest thing I've seen himself. And was your daughter there too, or? No, actually, it was just Danny and I. Okay, and it's weird because you know you'd mentioned Danny is very calm and a protector. Is this like the one place you've been with him where you felt that? Obviously, it seems like it was where you were attacked and felt vulnerable. Correct. Yes, but like I said, once he took that blindfold off, he was there. So, Danny, tell us, you know, your your uh, kind of feeling. So you had alluded to it before, but you take your your blindfold off and you you see what's going on with Lauren. Obviously, a person you care about deeply, and you're, you're shaking. The ride back. What was the ride back? Did you feel like anything came with you guys, or did you feel pretty confident you had left it at the house? Oh, I was pretty sure. You know, whatever was there is is actually still there. What to make of it? Yeah, I don't know. Because, like she said, um, a few people had said they had seen something in between us heading towards her also between us was the tesla coil which we're using to supply energy to whatever so yeah not here uh even if it was it probably wouldn't have survived in the house <laughs> <laughs> i love it that's great and i was gonna say so there's no residual effect at all okay so you're back to so there's no you know there's not like one sperm you're not affected you'll go right back out again and it didn't affect you it didn't impact you negatively at all learn or did you what was your takeaway from if you're going to say someone was going to go to the lizzie borden house what would you tell them and and what do you think was in the basement do you think it was in 
an entity of the Borden family? Do you think it was something demonic or what was your personal gut feeling? I felt it was like possibly somebody from the family, a male entity. It, Like I said, and you've heard that the, the night kind of had a sexual twist to it, but it was, I would go back. Matter of fact, I can't wait to go back. And anybody who goes, I told my daughter, told anybody from the team, I can't wait for you guys to come. It's going to be great. Wow, that's great. It seems like everybody has like at least their one place. I was talking to a medium, Colleen Costello, the Celtic medium in the USS Salem. Was that what she had never been totally afraid until that one where she was actually chased by a spirit off off and it and it actually but it followed her home and it she couldn't get rid of it for like months and she didn't realize she was possessed and she, it's kind of what Sam Baltros just went through I think on the TV show he was on where he was possessed after doing kind of a reenactment of something and his life was just totally askew for several weeks until he was cleared she kind of went through something like that so it, it seems like there's that one spot for everybody Danny who knows maybe there's one for you out there you know <laughs> You're hoping nobody, the rest of us aren't. How surprised were the people at uh, the Lizzie Borden house about what went down that night? Had that I had not heard of that that angle, that take on things. I, you know, I only went there once for the film, but I had not heard of that type of take. You know, the sexual abuse and stuff. There's there's that at the S.K. Pierce house, but I didn't. I had not heard of that at the Lizzie Borden house. Was, were they surprised, or was this something they'd come across before? I think everyone was completely surprised, myself included. I had never heard that take on it, but, you know, those kinds of secrets, that time period, yeah, a lot could happen. It's definitely a house of secrets. Definitely. Yeah, Lauren, what's your takeaway? Is there something unsolved that you want to go back and have resolved there? I I do. I want to know who the person was that was um, up on the third floor that was, like, kind of behind me and the person who I encountered in in the dining room and in the basement. It, It was... I would like to know what's going on, you know, and maybe have some closure for, for Lizzie. Now, were these different entities that you saw? You mentioned a couple different rooms. Were these, this, was it the same entity or were these different entities in each room? I honestly couldn't tell you. Um, I know that when we were doing the SP's method, when Sam was going into the different rooms and doing it, it wasn't till after he left is when I started. So he was trying to keep me from not keeping, trying to keep me from doing it because he knew that there was something kind of coming up on me. Did you say to him after, you know, you left, holy Jesus, <laughs> Sam, uh, you know, did you tell him what happened? Was he kind of surprised and said, yeah, I sent something or what was his reaction? Yeah, I, I didn't speak to him, but we did have some messages back and forth. And he did say, you know, that's like kind of kept doing it so you wouldn't do it um he says but yeah uh it's not a good it wasn't good <laughs> yeah we should say that uh sam's hopefully he'll be on the show soon sam's kind of night gig is he does the graveyard shift at kind of haunted hotels so he can get his writing done but also to pick up new material and i think he went to a hotel that night and that's when you guys were left i'd like to wrap by uh First, we'll start with you, Lauren. Can you just tell us, you know, how people can find out or contact you at, 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 at uh, is it MassCon Paranormal? Yep. Uh, it's com, or you can just go to our 
Facebook page and you can get a hold of us through there. The phone number is there as well. And I think I saw on your site that you guys don't charge. So if someone, if I'm being terrorized by a mirror in my house, or if I think there's something crazy in my basement, we'd give you a call and you guys just, you know, you're, you know, the holy crusaders (laughs) that go out and just go in and try to try to help people out. So is that accurate that if someone has an experience, you know, based on your schedule, you'll get there, but you you do it basically just to help people. This is not kind of a, a business where you charge people. Definitely. There's no charge ever for anything that we do. Any paranormal team out there, I would hope that we do not charge. Um, we're trying to help families that are having problems or businesses or whatever. And it's not right to charge them for stuff. Well, thank you, Lauren. Appreciate it. And Danny, I know you do so many things, but tell us how people, there's kind of one portal to all the cool stuff that you have. So you want to kind of tell people where to reach you and, uh, and, and if they want to contact you for some of the great things that you do, whether it be a Ouija board, some of your art, photography, or just even taking a cursed object off their hands, how do they reach out to you? Sure. It's uh, online, www.dannyradical.com, and that's R-A-D-I-K-A-L, so it's Radical with a K. Or they can give me a call. My phone number is 424-666-SICK. Great. And can you repeat that phone number one more time? Sure. That's 424-666-SICK, S-I-C-K. Well, cool. Thank you both so much for your time, and I hope you stay well and healthy, and I look forward to following up in Webster with you at some point. But but thank you for taking time for me tonight. It was, it was really great talking to both of you. Thank you. Excellent. Thank you. You've been listening to the Afraid of Nothing podcast. Please subscribe and like us on Facebook. Until next time, stay scared. Hey, you're still here? Great. Then why not listen to another episode? Visit afraidofnothingpodcast.com to peruse all the shows. That's afraidofnothingpodcast.com. And while you're there, click the coffee cup icon to buy me a coffee and leave a review. I'll give you a shout out in an upcoming episode. And the world will know how swell you are.